Good afternoon and good evening to everyone. My name is Dave Frankowski and I'll be your moderator for today's class. And welcome to another lecture given by the Oceanside California class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given unto our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year of 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year of 1958, and we hold classes in the United States and in various other countries. The Oceanside class was established in 1994. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe, and the president, Dr. Carl Emler. Now in this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title for the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The correct name for our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The correct title for the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. And the correct name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and they are not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name, and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike the titles of Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. It's a divine title because it's the title that our Creator has chosen for Himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name, and a minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew, the Greek, nor the Latin languages have any letters or characters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that's made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our own English language until some 1400 years after the death of the Messiah, which would make such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible renderings for the true name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state He is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, the limits and the bounds of everything that exists. We have Yahweh in His pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. And we've drawn this cloud to extend all around the edges of this chart to show that everything 
on this chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body, and he walked the earth plane as Yahshua, the Messiah, who the whole world calls Jesus Christ. Now, there's only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what did they call the Savior when he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface to the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It's the divine pattern because it's Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai, and he showed him this threefold tabernacle pattern in a vision. Later on, Yahweh instructed Moses to build one in the wilderness of Sinai, exactly like the one he had seen in his vision on the mount. The tabernacle pattern is a threefold pattern consisting of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and it operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The school has 10 primary constitutional objectives and aims, and they are as follows. One, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Two, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sect, cast or color. Three, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, modern practical and occult science. Five, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Nine, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained. There is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, 
saving the name of Yahshua, the Messiah. And 10, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua, the Messiah, with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace, and our slogan is speak the truth. We'll begin this afternoon with a prayer by Dr. Sean Hudgen Wardle from our Ontario, California class. And we'll have a scripture read, which will be Ephesians, the fourth chapter. That'll be read by Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside, California class. Can everybody hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Okay, very good. Uh, let us all bow in our hearts and in our minds for a moment of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father Yahweh, we pray that we can dedicate our focus for the next two hours to pay attention to what is being spoken about your great purpose, pattern, and plan to the effect that we can gain a profound understanding of who you are, how you actually exist, so that there's no excuse or a question uh, about your divine nature to us anymore. We pray that we can have the patience to suffer through the infirmities that we have while we're here on this earth plane um, and endure into the end so that we don't become lost and fall away from this great truth that we have before us. All these things in the name of your only begotten son, Yahshua the Messiah. Let us all say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good evening, class. Tonight I'll be reading Ephesians, the fourth chapter from the Holy Name Bible, containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments, critically compared with ancient authorities in various manuscripts, revised by the late A.B. Trena of the Scripture Research Association Incorporated in College Park, Maryland, Ephesians, the fourth chapter. I, therefore, a prisoner of Elohim, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Elohim, one faith, one baptism. One is Yahweh and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of the Messiah. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he took captive captivity and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it? But he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. 
he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the sons, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of the Messiah, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of Yahweh unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of the Messiah, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But being truthful in love, ye may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even the Messiah, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This I say, therefore, and exhort through Yahweh, that ye henceforth live not as the heathen live in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of Elohim through the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lustful practices to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned from the Messiah, if so be that ye have, been ye have heard him and been taught by him, as the truth is in Yahshua, that ye put off your former behavior, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after Elohim is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the adversary. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt conversation proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of Yahweh, by, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Yahweh for the Messiah's sake hath forgiven you. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Thank you, Dr. Geller and Dr. Hudgenwortle. And our scripture readers this afternoon will be Dr. Linda Volpe from our Oceanside class and Dr. Gail Josephson from our Green Bay class. We'll have a three-speaker format 
This afternoon, each speaker getting approximately 30 to 35 minutes. And speakers, be aware there'll be a five-minute sign. Uh, please acknowledge when you see it. And our first speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Steve Gagno, the Dean of our Madison, Wisconsin class. Wow, I'll get out of my lazy boy and into the desk. <laughs> I just kicked back. Good evening, everyone. Good um, evening. Pleasure to be here. Sean, did we get your friend? Gesundheit. Uh, no, not so far. Not so far. Okay. I just thought it was maybe why I was put up right away. Thanks. Needless to say, doesn't matter because uh, this gospel should be preached in simplicity, and that's generally what you're going to get from me anyhow. Um, I think I'll work with this scripture a little bit um, to kick it off. Uh, first, let's get, uh, uh, whoa, my brain is dead. Uh, um, the true worshipers worship him. John 4, 23, 24. Here's my buddy. Hi, Sasha. John 4, 23, please. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So when we came into this uh, world, we were, you know, raised up under some sort of belief system out of our families. Me, I was brought up Roman Catholic. We were all little Catholics, all 11 of us and mom and dad and marched off to a church and did all that we should do. And for, for me personally, and most of my family, it had no staying power. Um, the times they were changing. Uh, by the time I got to high school, I pretty much stopped going. And under the Catholic rule, that would be like a mortal mortal sin. So I, that's how I started out. And and then I went in high school. People in the 60s were, you know, there was a lot of different religious things. And, you know, the world was opening up to different options other than being a Roman Catholic. So a lot of people were always talking about what they were interested in, and I tried a few different things out, but none of it stuck. It all seemed like uh, something that I still had to do, and I had enough of that under the Catholic Church and in doing, uh, taking communions and doing confessions. I think the worst thing to me about being a Catholic was having to go to a confessional. They were telling you that you had to go confess your sin to some man, and then you get a bunch of prayers to do and uh, go have to say prayers. And just, I didn't think it was any of his business. Me and, me and God were tight. Somehow I was talking to God, and I didn't need to tell this guy and anybody else. And, and uh, I didn't even really understand what sin was. I just knew I needed somebody. You know, all those things were in my head and there was no satisfaction in the Catholic Church. So I just kind of let that go. But read this again. Uh, this is what I didn't know. 
24 and 23, please. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers. This is the Messiah in John. And when he talks in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's in red letters. And it says here, and he says, the hour is going to come and now is. And this is his time on earth. Read. When, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now, I couldn't have told you what spirit. The only spirits were uh, scary movies, you know, spirits and things like that. You just didn't understand. There was no such thing as a teaching. There was just, um, I don't know, as a Catholic kid, it was more intimidating than anything. You, you, <laughs> you just didn't want any priest or nun to see you doing anything. And uh, that was about it. But anyhow, it's saying here that the true worshipers, and when I came down to this class, they pulled this scripture. Now, if there's true worshipers, that means there's false worshipers. And it's just that simple. If he's saying one, there's one kind of worshiper, there's another kind. So true worshiper, and it just, you know, okay, there's true worshipers. Somebody knows the truth is what they were saying. Somebody knows the truth. Somebody's got to know the truth. Otherwise, it's a fixed fight. And what are we doing? Somebody knows. So the hour comes and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father, which is Yahweh, in spirit and in truth. I mean, that's just, you know, I've been doing this for 38 years. There's a, I take it for granted what that says. Uh, but you can't, you just got to stick around to make that feel comfortable with you. Now, there's a chart here I want to work with, this Moses chart. If we can zoom in to the upper left-hand corner of the Moses, there you go. Not so far. You can back it out a little bit. I like to see the whole thing. That's good. Yahweh is spirit, it says in the left-hand side. Manifesting within a cloud, a cloud symbolizing eternity, Jerusalem above. And Yahweh, all through scriptures, God or Yahweh appears in clouds, in visions and in dreams. He uses clouds. And Mount Sinai, where this is depicted, where the Ten Commandments were spoken in, there was a cloud that led them out of Egypt. They followed all the way through the Red Sea and then sat up on top of Mount Sinai and spoke to them. And Dr. Kinley had a vision in 1931. And he didn't change what the book said. He just showed us what the book's been trying to say all along about Yahweh and the witnesses and things. So we took the story of Moses here and and he put this had this written up here. Yahweh doesn't have wisdom. These are words about spirit. This is what spirit is. Spirit is wisdom. It's not, you know, some apparition at the foot of your bed. Spirit is wisdom, intelligence, knowledge. Um, where is it in Isaiah, Sasha, where it says uh, he has all these attributes, uh, counsel and justice? And uh, Try Isaiah 11 and 1. Is it 11 and 1? Can we try that? And I'll stick, keep talking here for a second. But he showed us that these attributes, these things, you know, if I ask you to draw a picture of knowledge on the board, You'd have to have an example of knowledge. You, knowledge is understood. Wisdom is understood. 
love is some understood. You can show somebody an example of it, but that's not the sum of it. An example of power, an example of all of these things, you can see it piece by piece. And then all of a sudden you realize, ah, oh, wisdom, that's wisdom, that's knowledge. You know, uh, um, you know, Solomon in his day in the scriptures, a woman, uh, they came before him with one woman said her child was killed and and uh, the other one stole it from her. It was two women arguing over whose child it would be. So Solomon, with great wisdom, said, oh, well, let's just cut the baby in half and give it to both women. And when the real mother knew what was going to happen, uh, that didn't lose her child, said, no, 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 you give it to her so the child might live. And his great wisdom, he said, give her her son or her child. You know, and these are the things that, uh, where's Isaiah 61? Uh, is that the one I want or is that what I'm 11. talking about? But 11 has the attributes. Yeah, he, it talks about one to come. He's filled with all these attributes. Yep, that's 11 and one. Yeah, I should have it. This I call this a lot when I talk about spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is the rod. Okay, thank you. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem, stem so of... She's reading out of Isaiah, which is the prophets. There's the first five books of the law. The, the, the next books are the prophets, Joshua down to Malachi. And then you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the, what they call the Gospels. And then after that, you have uh, all the books that were written by uh, Peter, uh, John, uh, uh, and uh, Paul the apostle, and so on. Those are letters that were written between in communication between different assemblies, and you're reading somebody's mail in them. Anyhow, so here we are in the prophets, and there shall come forth a rod. And most of the, what you find out is the writings in, like even in the prophets, they're allegorical. He's talking about a rod, okay? So it, who's this rod? Read. Mm -hmm. A rod out of the stem of Jesse. And Jesse and was the father of David, who was uh, the first king. David fought the Goliath and so on. Jesse was his father and he had a bunch of children so on. A stem out of Jesse, read. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. And if you know anything about the scriptures, from Adam all the way down to the Messiah, there are 63 generations. They can count the scholars can say, well, Adam was from Adam. To, you know, there was this one and this one and this one and this one and then Abraham and then this one and this. And you get down to Yahshua. He was the 63rd generation. So he's, they're talking about from coming forth a rod out of Jesse, which was David and Yahshua comes out of that stem, the Messiah, a branch shall grow out of his roots. And it's describing Yahshua. This is a description of the Messiah to come in the Gospels. Read two. And the spirit of Yahweh shall rest upon him. So he's going to have a spirit resting on him. See, and back to my first thing, you know, you won't know what that meant. What, you know, a spirit. Ooh, that's, you know, that's the best they give you, you know. People would say, what is God? It says in the Bible, God is spirit. What is spirit? Spirit is God. 
What is God? God is spirit. Spirit is God. That's enough. Slap. Go back to your desk and don't ask me any more questions. That's the kind of thing you got in my churches and where I grew up. You didn't get to ask a lot of things. So the spirit of Yahweh. Yahweh is spirit. And we just picked him. We told you he was wisdom, intelligence, knowledge, love, beauty, justice, foundation, power, and strength. He's attributes that form him. You and I all have some strength, some justice, some intelligence, some wisdom that make up our body, make up who we are. We are made in the image. We just don't have the sum total like Yahweh does. Yahweh is the sum total of it all. We live and move and have our being within him. We are made up of his attributes. Those are big words, but it's the truth. It's the truth. You want to know something about your creator, hang around down here. So Yahweh is spirit. The spirit shall rest upon him. The spirit of what? The spirit of wisdom. Ah, I see. So even in the scriptures, they call it the spirit of wisdom. Read. And understanding. The understanding is a principal attribute. Read. The spirit of counsel. Counsel, like justice and, and, and counseling and so on. Anyhow, mm -hmm. all these things are part of wisdom, a part of intelligence, a part of, you know, their sub-attributes. Go ahead. And might. And might. See, see? And, and it's describing what we're waiting for in the Messiah to have all of these attributes. See? And we, we weren't taught anything about that. You know, the the the, the religions can't, hold a train of thought from Genesis all the way down to Revelation. They can't see how it goes together. You have these people with PhDs in front, behind, and all around their name that write these books, and people call them for interpretations, and they talk about Isaiah. He wrote in this style, and, and, and Jeremiah, he had a different kind of style, and blah, blah, blah. And what you find out if you when you come into an understanding is, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and none of these people wrote a thing on their own. They were told by the Spirit what to write. So whatever Spirit was telling them was the same Spirit writing Joel and Daniel to Isaiah to, you know, Exodus and whatever. It's one Spirit. And that's what our Scripture talks. There's only one Spirit. The purpose of Yahweh you know, it's in this scripture reading how, you know, Sean talked about in his prayer. His prayer sounded like this scripture. He must have been reading ahead, but he, I don't know. His prayer, between his prayer and the scripture reading, you know, I, I want to jump back now to this scripture reading. And this is Paul, the apostle, who who started out during... After the death, burial, and resurrection of Yahshua the Messiah and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there were the Jews, and some of the Jews received the Holy Spirit, and they saw the, the new covenant coming and the end of the old covenant. But if you, and it talks about where in the scriptures where the new covenant comes without observation. In other words, there wasn't a big uh, comet through the sky or anything like that. All there was was the scriptures. Uh, can I get John 5, 39, please? This is in John the New 5, Testament. John 5 and 39. Mm -hmm. Search the scriptures. You search the scriptures. Doesn't it say you? 
Well, mine doesn't, but ye search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So the scriptures are the are the rocket going through the sky that point him out, and they can't put it together. They couldn't at this time. They can't today. They don't know how what the relevance of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy and the prophets have to do with the Messiah. They, they can kind of pick a few things here. Well, uh, <laughs> scripture lesson. I'm sorry, Sean. <laughs> I see your post. <laughs> Just I look at my screen while I'm talking. So, so searching the scriptures and, and, and knowing something about your creator, knowing that he was has a purpose, he, he runs through a purpose. This, uh, the top of this chart, again, says Elohim, the archetype, the original pattern of the universe. And we have a pattern down here. And what we find out is when the creator took on a shape and form as Yahweh Elohim, See, I could never figure out why when I was young, it was there was Lord, which would be Yahweh, and then God would be Elohim. But I didn't know that. And and then sometimes he was Lord God. The Lord God. You know, it's like my mother would use my middle name when she wasn't happy with me. Stephen Anthony. Stephen Anthony. Well, that's not good. You know, Lord God. That must be serious. You know, it's about all we knew. You know, it just sounded better. It worked better, but the reality is there's only one spirit, Yahweh, and two different manifestations he's taken on. He showed up in visions and in revelations known as Yahweh Elohim, and it's depicted, uh, you can circle Yahweh Elohim on this chart next to the tabernacle. Thank you. Right there, it's Yahweh Elohim. He's depicted, and he revealed himself on top of Mount Sinai to 73 people, and Moses and Joshua were up there. And they saw this vision of Yahweh Elohim. Moses also saw a vision in a burning bush before he got there. And there was an angel in the bush. It was the same one, Yahweh Elohim. And then that same word we find out in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with Yahweh, and the word was Yahweh, and the word in 14 was made flesh and dwelt among us. That was the one, Yahshua the Messiah, whom we called Jesus Christ growing up. So there's two manifestation of spirit. But this, this Paul here in, in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, goes about to show, you know, he's talking to people at Ephesus who he's preached the gospel to, who came out of Judaism, you know, the laws and all these things, the do's and don'ts, and now are under the new covenant where there is no laws and there's no, if he took away the, old covenant the old covenant was what made sin sinful he took away the sins he took it all away and this new covenant has to do with if yahweh spoke in a geez i always think of this when yahweh spoke from the top of mount sinai down to the people thou shalt not well when yahweh speaks the sign follows right well why didn't they thou shalt not because he wasn't talking to them the thou shalt not he was talking about was the tabernacle. The tabernacle was the vessel of salvation. They had to go to it for forgiveness of their sins. And the new covenant is Yahshua in you, the forgiveness of you.
your sin, your ignorance, your... So there's no hope for you unless Yahshua be in you under the new covenant. So Paul came from a guy who was persecuting the Jews and uh, having them, he had Stephen killed, uh, you know, in uh, Acts, uh, I think it's seventh chapter, he talks about the Acts of the Apostles and you get to the point where Stephen preaches and Paul had the authority in those days to have anybody who goes against what he learned put to death. And so they stoned Stephen and they were out. All the apostles eventually, even though Paul had a conversion, somebody else picked up that torch and had them all killed. They were all, they didn't die a timely death, like old age. They were all put to death, you know. And so Paul, in in verse one, can my reader read for me, whoever feels like taking me on here? Four Are you checking about on the Ephesians? Yes. Yep. Thank you, Gail. Well, Mm-hmm. Four and one. Oops, sorry. I therefore, the prisoner of Yahweh, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Mm-hmm. With all lowliness and meekness. So the, the law, it was do's and don'ts. You had to do this and do that. The new covenant, when you see that Yahweh is speaking to you in the witnesses, the scriptures are pointing him out that this whole purpose is about spirit, which you had no idea about, and it's real. And he took the time to uh, share something about himself because he's the all in all Yahweh and you got to take it baby steps. So you're a prisoner walking worthy with the calling that you've been called with, with all lowliness. Because you know you didn't know any of this stuff. Nothing, none of this stuff made any sense. With meekness, take low. And long-suffering, not short-suffering, <laughs> long-suffering. That just means it goes on and on for more than you really want to handle. And that long-suffering causes you to cry out. When you start reading through the scriptures where the children of Israel had to cry out to be delivered. Cry out. Just like a baby cries out when they have a mess in their pants. They cry when they're hungry. They cry They cry out and then mom or father takes care of them and, and cleans them up and so on. It's the same thing. This, this, is, this, is, this is real, what that shows us. The, those things about being a parent and a, with children. This is how it works. With all loneliness. Read, Gail. Ephesians 4 and 2. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, mm -hmm. endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So you, we endeavor to keep the unity of so When we see Yahshua, we see Yahweh. When we see Elohim, we see Yahweh, the unity of this. And then when we see one another speak, spirit bearing witness to each other. When you say, I see that too in the scriptures. I've seen this lecture. I know that Yahweh, we breathe his name. <sighs> yeah, that was amazing. When I now I know that. And you take a seed and you take a seed and it's dead and you put it in the ground and you cover it up and pour some water on it and up comes a seed. No, up comes a little growth, something alive and that brings forth fruit. See, and... and that's the unity and the bond, the unity of the spirit. Yahweh uses these examples to show you 
He is the life that comes out of that seed. He is the resurrection. He is the light of the world. He wants you in your punyism, you know, if you can get over your isms and all your selfishness, you know, little children are, are kind of in general, you know, like, it's like a little dogs, you know, that you play with a toy, the dog comes up and takes it and runs off with it, but you don't chase them. And little kids are like that. And they have a hard time sharing. You kind of have to teach them what sharing is, you know, I got two little kids across the street and the older one was, is a couple of years older than the younger boy. And, you know, now he's getting attention. So she takes away something he's playing with. I, I, that's my ball he's playing with. She runs off with it. And I'm like, why do you do that? You know, they're selfish. They, they have to be, you have to be trained and go through your, and when you start out, you're very selfish little children. You have to learn compassion. You have to learn how to love and, and, and unconditional love, you know, you have to, you know, it's just not natural for everybody. And uh, so with all loneliness and the spirit that is in you comes from Yahweh, he knows how to mix wisdom with patience, with beauty and foundation and put it in the proper order. And when you see the operation of spirit, when you see it, you recognize it as Yahweh, you know, Yahweh that changes not. Yahweh that's consistent. Yahweh that has great kindness and never quits on you. We quit on him. We cry. We forget of the way he took us. We forget that he took us by the hand and didn't bring us out here to die and, and all these things. We forget these things and we have to have them brought back to our remembrance. We need encouragement. We need the brethren to help share these things, you know, and bear, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Read in four, Gail. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. Mm -hmm. One Yahweh, one faith, one baptism. You know, we sit there, what should I do? What am I doing? What is this? And all, da, da, da. These words come from someone who's gone through a lot, Paul. You know, he's, he had Stephen killed. You know, Yahweh allowed him to, to persecute one of the Yashuans. And then by that humbling, then put his spirit in him, then cause him to say, you're going to be the guy. When he went, when he was struck with the blindness on the road uh, to Damascus and, and uh, Yahweh was entreating him, bringing him into the fold. And then he, they called on one of the Ashwins and said, you're going to go meet this uh, Paul at this house. And what? That's the guy who's killing everybody. You sure you got the right person? You know, why don't you give that to Bruce? Let him go over there. He's bigger than I am. You know, whatever. You know what I mean? It's the last person you would have thought Yahweh would work with. But that's who he chose. And, and Paul writes Ephesians and so many of these things and, and talks about the thing. And, and he had, he knew what he did, but there's no, everybody did something like that. I mean, not having somebody killed or stoned, but everybody in the fact that we didn't know Yahweh, weren't entreating Yahweh properly. And that was the sin. That was our 
You know, we didn't know anything about our creator. Eternal life, John 17 and 3, is to know Yahweh, to know. So we come down here and we start to learn how he is, how what he expects from us. What? You know, when I came to class, what, what, are, we, what are we doing down here? What do we do? Do we have to, where's the collection plate? No, they told me, no, Steve, you just pay attention. Pay attention. You know, and then I'd have so many questions. What about this? What about that? And they go, we haven't showed you that. Just relax. Like, mm -hmm. like our ex-quarterback now in Green Bay. Relax. Just relax. It'll come to you. And then after 38 years, you learn to relax. You learn, you see the patterns in how this, you know, sometimes you're uh, up close and personal with Yahweh and he's revealing something. And sometimes he, you think he abandoned you, you know, and you're caused to have to remember. You're caused to have to do some long suffering. You're caused to, and then all of a sudden he comes back and he's there for you and holds your hand again and brings you along. These are the kind of things that cause us to love this gospel. It's, you know, it's fair, as fair as fair can get for us. I, I receive the acknowledgement. I'm sorry. Thanks, Dave. So anyhow, um, I hate to be long-winded on some of this stuff, but the point of it is, is we're trying to come into a more perfect understanding, as Sean was so eloquently said in his prayer, of Yahweh and his purpose. And we'd love to be better ambassadors. We'd love to be epistles, better epistles, known and read of all men, bringing in people to this flock. And uh, we would love to, you know, all our family to be here. But in Yahweh's purpose, not everybody comes. I'm one of 11. I'm the only one here. I, you know, I have other families, you know, they've got their grandkids, their cats and dogs are sitting in front of the screen. I go, Jesus, you know, they don't, they, everybody comes out of the family. And I'm just happy. It is what it is. Part of the fact that the rest of my family is here, isn't here, is my long suffering. I have to deal with it. I have to live with it. It is what it is with Yahweh's purpose. And, and I'm grateful that, you know, there's still time and maybe they'll come. There's always time as long as we're sitting in one of these vessels. So with that, and uh, I appreciate the time given me and uh, I hope someone was edified. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Gagno. And our next speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Greg Prestis from our Ithaca, New York class. Uh, good afternoon. Good evening, class. Hi, Greg. Good evening. Good afternoon. <laughs> uh, okay, this is a surprise. Um, anyway, let's 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 go to the scripture reading. Steve's laid a nice foundation, and there's so much in these scripture readings, and this class. Uh, has an understanding of the Bible that is simply not uh, known in the world. So it's worthwhile to just take a walk through this. Um, so let's just start uh, Ephesians 4 and 1. Go ahead, Gail. Ephesians 4 and 1. 
I therefore, the prisoner of Yahweh, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Okay, so this is Paul, and right off the bat, he is making the statement that he's a prisoner. And um, we can go back into Acts, and I don't want to take the time to do that because 30 minutes goes quickly. Um, but you find out that Paul was actually raised um, in the Jewish religion, as were the apostles and as was Yahshua. And um, because of Paul's situation, he was tutored by Gamaliel, and he was um, well-educated, spoke many languages, and he was an authority. And um, let's see. If we just touch on the history a little bit, um, and, and Steve's already explained how Yahweh is spirit. He takes on this intermediate shape and form as Yahweh Elohim. Uh, and then this form was able to communicate and appear to the prophets who could uh, see him in, in this visionary form. It, Yahweh re allowed them to detect this form but with our regular eyes, most people uh, have no ability to perceive this. So then at the particular point in Yahweh's purpose, Yahweh comes from this intermediate shape and form, and then he manifests as a, a physical man, and he looks like um, any, anyone else. Uh, and then um, according to the purpose of Yahweh, he is crucified, and in that, he's fulfilling the scriptures. Um, and so there's so much to this teaching and the structure of the Bible, and that's why there's classes all the time, and we simply can't explain everything every time, obviously. But just since we're here, um, if we were to go back to um, the book of Exodus, where the children of Israel were delivered from Egypt, uh, you'll read that they had to choose a lamb without spot and blemish, and they had to kill that lamb. They had to put the blood of the lamb on the door, and um, the death angel came through the night, and then the children of Israel were led, uh, followed this cloud, the Red Sea parted, and they were delivered from bondage into the wilderness. So in addition to being part of um, Hebrew or Jewish history, that event is also, as it's portrayed on this chart, is a for, is foreshadowing or is typical of um, Yahshua the Messiah. And this is one of the aspects of understanding the Bible is the things in the so-called Old Testament, which is broken down to the books of Moses and the books of the prophets, those things are pointing to the Messiah. And Yahshua in his ministry says multiple times that he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. And fulfill means to carry out and accomplish. He didn't come to institute some new form of religion. He didn't come to institute carnal ordinances. He didn't come to do any of the things that the world claims he came to do. He, he just, he simply did not come to uh, create a Christian or a Catholic religion. 
Now we find out that uh, when he came to John to be baptized, and then again, if we go back to Exodus, in order to get out of bondage and into the wilderness, the children of Israel were baptized in the cloud and in the sea, or immersed in the cloud and in the sea. And so we have showing here that when Yahshua is baptized, he's being baptized because he has to fulfill the baptism that's in the scriptures, and he has to fulfill that pattern of death, burial, and resurrection. Now, when John, uh, when Yahshua comes to John to be baptized, John says, Behold the Lamb of Yahweh, who taketh away the sin of the world. And so you find out there was a lamb slain in order to deliver them from bondage. There was a lamb slain daily. There were lambs slain daily in the wilderness in the operation of this tabernacle to deliver them from their sins and their transgressions. And so um, understanding that Yahshua, he is the lamb that is going to deliver mankind from sin and from the um, bondage of sin and from the consequences of sin. So Yahshua is crucified, and um, you see he had a crown of thorns on his head. There were nails through each hand and nails through the feet. So you had four points of blood of the lamb, and then you had the four points of blood here on the door frame. And then Yahshua also at one point says that he is the door. So the scriptures are not um, just some arbitrary writings that you just read and interpret. They're all knit together. Now, when Yahshua was crucified, uh, he was crucified by the religious authorities of his day, the scribes and the Pharisees. And because they considered him a heretic, because he was not, uh, he was preaching things that were contrary to the practices that Yahweh had established with Moses, as far as the scribes and the Pharisees believed and understood, because they didn't realize that the things that were written in the law and the prophets were actually written of the Messiah. But anyway, so he's crucified, he's buried, and then um, we have it shown here how he's resurrected from the dead. And when he resurrected, you read in the book, it may not make so much sense to you, that many of the sons who slept in the dust of the earth also resurrected. And then we understand that this resurrection is in a spiritual form. It's not in a form you can see with your physical eyes. But Yahshua appeared to his disciples, and that you read that many of the sons who slept in the dust of the earth rose on up and entered into Jerusalem and appeared unto many. And you see, so those children of Israel resurrecting out of Egypt, and you have the souls of mankind in bondage to death, um, resurrecting after Yahshua's resurrection. So everything fits together. And while it may not make sense at first, and it may seem fantastic, um, it's all very simple and repeatable. And that's why we have these classes, and it's going by the pattern and we go through this um, in all these classes all the time. And these days, uh, with YouTube and Zoom, uh, there's as many classes and as much of this teaching available as anyone would want. Now, uh, we find out that Yahshua resurrected 
tarried for 40 days, and there's this principle of 40 in the holy place. And then he ascended um, on a cloud, as it's written, out of their sight. Then 10 days later, um, he comes back in the form of the Holy Spirit, which we've been reading about tonight, and uh, dwells within the uh, 120 in the upper room, uh, fulfilling his promise that he would come again. So while the world is looking for Jesus to come at some point in the future, um, this Yahshua actually returned in the form of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and has been present in the earth plane all along. And these things are just simply not understood. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees, when they killed Yahshua, they were attempting to put an end to this heretical teaching. And then you find out when you look into the book of Acts that um, the disciples who became apostles after they received the Holy Spirit, and then the deacons and other people who received the Holy Spirit, they went out and started preaching the same gospel of Yahshua the Messiah and his death, burial, and resurrection. And um, the 120 received the Holy Spirit in the upper room. Then there's 3,000 that received the Holy Spirit as a result of their preaching. And so far from putting an end to this heresy, it actually started to multiply. Now, uh, the Apostle Paul was a religious authority, and he was commissioned by the scribes and the Pharisees, and he was given letters to persecute the, the Yashuans who were um, uh, preaching this heresy from the standpoint of the law, because they were still trying to keep the law of Moses, and Yahshua had taught them that he had come in to fulfill that law, and that now... Uh, since Pentecost, the law is written in our hearts, and we're to manifest the Spirit in our daily lives, not in the form of going to some building and listening to uh, some external uh, rituals, participating in external rituals, and so on and so forth. Now, um, and it, the Apostle Paul, and it's been already referred to tonight, was on the road to Damascus, and he was uh, he was after the Yashuans, who, uh, because of the persecution, had left Jerusalem and were scattered around the the area, the the surrounding area, Asia Minor, and whatnot. And so, when Paul's on the road to Damascus, let's go ahead and get that. Is it Acts the ninth chapter? I just want to cut right to the chase because this is where. Paul is taken captive. And so when we read these scriptures, there's a there they make a lot more sense than you would think they do because it's all tied together and it's all operating in terms of the fulfillment and the operation of Yahweh's purpose. So um and I'm gonna say in Acts nine and three. Uh okay, yeah, we'll 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 just yeah. Let's get that. Or starting at one would be no nope, three. I okay. I'm, my time is my time is fast fast evaporating. Okay. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shone round about him a light from heaven. You know, I, I, this always happens to me. You have to start <laughs> at one. I'm sorry. Okay. X nine one. 
and Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the, dis the disciples of Yahshua, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. So you see, Paul was schooled by the scribes and the Pharisees, and rather than them doing it themselves, they set up Paul and convinced him and got him all inflamed. And he's going out trying to destroy these, capture and kill and imprison these heretics who were following Yahshua. And Paul believes that he's, he's being righteous. He's following the law. And it's said to stone adulterers and to stone heretics and things. So Paul believes in his heart he's being righteous. But at the same time, he's operating contrary to the purpose of Yahweh. And uh, that's about to change. So verse 3. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shone round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Now, you see... Yahweh is real, and Yahshua is real, and the Spirit is real, and most of us have not had um, phenomenal experiences like this, although Dr. Kenley did, and he said that he had talked to angels, and he spoke of his um, vision and revelation, and he was aware that most people hadn't seen angels and didn't understand the existence of a, an angelic or an incorporeal creation. And so Paul, he was judging everything by the law. He was judging things according to the understanding of the scribes and the Pharisees. And here, there's this light, there's this voice. It's a phenomenal experience he's having, and that he's never had anything like this before. And so his natural reaction, when Yahshua says to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He had no idea who Yahshua was. Um, he was not did not partake of John's baptism. The scribes and the Pharisees did not accept John. He did not um, follow Yahshua around the Judean hills. He was still practicing the law of Moses the way the scribes and the Pharisees were. Now verse 5. And he said, Who art thou, master? And Yahshua said, I am Yahshua, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now, I just want to point out in that one verse, uh, the King James Bible, the way they've taken out the names and put in Lord and uh, taken out the true name of Yahshua and put in Jesus, it, it's simply a mess until you understand um, the operation of the supernal nature as it's been explained. And so I appreciate the, the reader clarifying by using the terms that fit here. Um, because you would never, the King James Bible just does not have uh, the, that information has been take, taken out of it. So Paul says, who art thou, master? And Yahshua is, the, is who he was. And he says, I am Yahshua, whom thou persecutest. And verse 6. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Master, what wilt thou have me to do? And Yahshua said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. 
And from that point on, Paul uh, does what he's told to do by Yahshua, and he becomes the servant of Yahshua. And this is where he became captive to the truth. And it's already been mentioned how people didn't trust him because he was essentially the, uh, the architect or the executor of this initial persecution of the of, of the Yashuans, of those who had received the Holy Spirit under the authority of the Jewish leaders. Um, so you see, you can read the Bible, but you don't have the understanding of what's going on unless you see how Yahshua is fulfilling and how all these things fit together. Now let's go back um, to the scripture reading, if you would. Um, so I therefore, the prisoner of Yahshua, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Okay, go ahead. Two. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So, under the law, you had uh, the Ten Commandments, which everyone's familiar with. You had another 603 ordinances or rules that. Uh, I wasn't aware of um, prior to coming into class. You had ritualistic sacrifices. You had water baptism. You had suppers. You had ceremonies. You had a priesthood wearing garments of beauty and glory. You're lighting lamps. You're burning incense. There was the uh, natural circumcision that came down, the ordinance that came down from Abraham. The, all of the Jews being uh, the descendants of Abraham, and all the descendants of Ishmael also practiced that circumcision. So th this is referred to as the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. You uh, participating in things you don't really understand the point of or the purpose of, doing what you're told, attempting to be uh, moral and um of participating in rituals, uh, as I've mentioned, bat water baptism. Um, and there's also foot washing that we don't have to, uh, that we don't have pictured here. Now, these things existed in the Hebrew uh, or the Jewish religion. They, they, they were doing all of these things. They had the tabernacle, they had the priesthood. Later, it was expanded into this beautiful temple, and they're performing ritualistic practices. The priesthoods are performing prayers. They're burning incense. But you see, none of that had um, was the was the spiritual. Uh, Paul Paul writes it. How to say that? It, it could not make you do all those things, but it couldn't make you perfect as pertaining to the conscience. It didn't actually cleanse you of your sin. It didn't transform uh, the state and condition of your heart and mind. You're being told to do things. You don't do them. You feel guilty. You go try to make up for the guilt. You offer up the sacrifices. But what's important to understand is Yahweh did establish a 
physical religion in these terms, but it was to the Jews and the Jews only. And all of that, the tabernacle and all of these ordinances, uh, all pointed to Yahshua the Messiah, who was Yahweh manifest in the flesh. And that man walking around in the earth plane, that was Yahweh Elohim manifest in the flesh. And he understood the purpose. And he too was a captive to the purpose. And so in fulfilling these ordinances and ultimately being the Lamb of Yahweh that was sacrificed to atone for the sin of the world, he nailed that carnal, physical, temporary covenant, nailed those ordinances, nailed those rules and laws, nailed that whole ritualistic external way of worship to the cross. And it's just, um, it ceased being valid. And that's what Yahshua revealed to Paul when he was uh, taken captive on that road to Emmaus. So now, um, verse four, if you would. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Yahweh, one faith, one baptism, one Elohim and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Now, these, this is just the reality that was revealed to our founder. It was reality that was revealed to the Apostle Paul. It's the big part of what we teach in these classes through the preaching of the gospel. And, you know, some of it's already been covered, but there is one spirit, Yahweh, and the father of all. And then he manifests in an incorporeal form to uh, the prophets, and that's how he orchestrated the... Um, certain behavior in mankind, what we call the dispensations or the administrations. Um, he worked certain aspects of his purpose. And then when it came time, when the fullness of time was come, and all that had been set up, everything that you had in the law and the prophets, that was the influence of the Holy Ghost or of Yahweh Elohim appearing to the people down through uh, the law and the prophets and having them document that in the writings of Moses and in the writings of the prophets and having them copy that and having that um, preserved and maintained across um, period of, of, let's say, 1490 plus 33, 1523 years before Yahshua completed and fulfilled the things that were contained in the old covenant and move it out of the way. Now, um, you know, you go out into the world and somebody might ask you, what faith are you? Because people sometimes take the word faith as being synonymous with these various, uh, we call them religions, um, but really what, what they are is just bits and pieces of the Bible formulated into some set of, of doctrinal principles. Now, um, 
Another fundamental aspect of this teaching is uh, Romans 1, 19 and 20. And these things are all, um, it's tied together because everything that took place and that's documented in the law and in the prophets took place physically. They were physical people, physical lamb, physical tabernacle, physical warfare, physical temple. Yahshua the Messiah is manifested as a physical man. So for 4,000 years of time, everything is being acted out in the physical. But um, when it comes to the day of Pentecost, uh, let's get Jeremiah 31, 31. Um, I have 12 minutes left, I believe. So I'm not going to give myself, put up the five minutes sign and I'll be finished at um, 825. Jeremiah 3131. Behold the days come, saith Yahweh, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Okay. So now you see these these charts uh, are different ways of portraying essentially the same uh, in information. So behold, the days come. This is the prophet Jeremiah writing, and he's writing under the inspiration of Yahweh Elohim, who appeared to him. And the days come that I will make a new covenant. Uh, read. With the house of Israel it. and the house of Judah. Mm -hmm. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Now, see, we've already discussed this old covenant which was Yahweh established, what Yahweh established with the children of Israel when he took them by the hand and led them through the Red Sea out of the land of Egypt and into the wilderness. So you wouldn't necessarily know that the book of Exodus is tying directly into Jeremiah. And not only that, but Jeremiah, it's being revealed to Jeremiah that the things that you have in the book of Exodus, this old covenant, is actually figuring to this new covenant. Go ahead. Which my covenant they broke, although I was a husband unto them, saith Yahweh. And again, you can find out if you go in and read that um, Moses was up in the mountain for 40 days and the, the first time, and before he got back down, they had despaired, they had written him off, and they had built this golden calf and, and committed idolatry and disobeyed. Uh, Aaron and them were told by Moses to wait for him to come back, but they disobeyed and came down. So this covenant was broken hardly before it even got started. And then um, all down through the time from Moses until the Messiah, they continued to practice the uh, that that covenant, that Mosaic covenant. But now he says, I'm going to make a new covenant, which is not, uh, go ahead, read, sorry. 33, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith Yahweh, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their Elohim and they shall be my people. Now, you see, this old covenant, it was never in the people's hearts. It, they didn't have a love of 
uh, obeying these ordinances and these suppers and the ceremonies and so on, that was um, they they it was imposed on them the way Paul Paul describes it. So you see, he's describing the new covenant is not going to be like the old one. I will put my law in their inward part, and I will write it in their mind. Now let's go over to um, pick up the same principle in Ezekiel, where it says, um, "I'll put my spirit." Is it a, a, a thirty-six? Yeah, thirty-six twenty-four thereabouts. Thank you. Ezekiel 36 and 24. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of, out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Now, see, here's more history that we're not, we just don't have time to get into. But you find out when you read in Acts, the second chapter about this day of Pentecost, that you had devout Jews out of every nation under heaven dwelling in Jerusalem. And um, we've learned in this class that that was because they were celebrating the year of Jubilee, which you can go back and read about uh, in the law and in, in the prophets. And so um, we've jumped now all the way from Moses and the Mosaic Covenant down to this time of the Messiah in one sense. And I will gather you from all countries, read, I will gather you out of all countries and bring you into your own land. 25, then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new, heart, a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. And now, you know, there's an interesting aspect when you're in the womb that um, parts of your heart are closed off and blood is not circulating through your lungs because your lungs are not exposed to um, the atmosphere and the oxygen is coming in through the umbilical cord um, and you're actually living off the life of your of your mother. So... Um, it's not that when you're born, they cut one heart out and put another one in. It's there, but it's not functioning properly until um, the, they're, they're, I forget the exact mechanism where certain ventricles are closed off. And then all of a sudden when you're born, they open up. And now you, you, your heart starts to circulate blood through the lungs. And you see, so now you're communing directly with the oxygen that's in the atmosphere or which is a type of the spirit. Now, um, so this is all according to the promise. And he says, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. I will be their Elohim, they will be my people. So you had the physical people that he led out of Egypt, but since Pentecost, what you have is those physical people were pointing to a spiritual people. And those are the people that are receiving that Holy Spirit. And that baptism is the baptism of the Spirit. So you see, they were baptized unto Moses. That's a baptism, water baptism. They were baptized 
unto John the Baptist. That was a baptism, water baptism. There was foot washings and, and so on. I have five minutes. And um, now here we're reading uh, verse 5. Um, oh, sorry, Ephesians 4 and 5. Sure. Ephesians 4 and 5. One Yahweh, one faith, one baptism. And then you see it, it set up earlier, one body, one spirit, um, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. So you see, when the Apostle Paul was called, and he answered, who art thou, Master? Paul received that one spirit, that Holy Spirit. And everyone receiving the Holy Spirit, the divine understanding of this gospel, and um, having that divine nature taking on shape and form within us according to the preaching of the gospel, see, we become one body because we're all breathing uh, the same breath. And then that baptism, the water baptism, pointed to the baptism of the Spirit, which took place on the day of Pentecost. So since then, um, it's not water baptism. That was fulfilled by the Messiah. It's, we're all baptized in one Spirit. Now, uh, does anyone know, is it Corinthians 12, how we get into the body? And, uh, and I'll finish with that. We're by one Spirit. First um, Corinthians 2.13. Uh, I didn't hear that, but if you could get it. First Corinthians 2.13. 12, 12.13, sorry. Oh, 1 Corinthians, oh, 12.13. Uh, yeah, uh, pick, go ahead, pick, pick it up at, um, let me see, I have, yeah, I have three, three and a half minutes. Um, pick it up at seven. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit. See, For one spirit, one, and that's what we're reading about here, read. For to one is given by the spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge. See, and that's just backing spirit. up those attributes which have already been discussed tonight. It's the one spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Yahshua, that he died and liberated, and, and now we're living according to his spirit in us, read. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same spirit. And remember, there's one faith because there's one spirit. And faith is the Holy Spirit. So sometimes um, we agonize over, you know, do I have the Holy Spirit? And we all, uh, if we judge by our manifestation, see this whole purpose, work salvation is by grace. You're never going to behave in such a way that you can claim that you deserve it. But you see, uh, it's one faith because it's one spirit. And that faith is the evidence of that spirit operating in our heart. Read. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these work that same one and the very same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. See, and everyone with that spirit becomes a member of just that one body. And there was, Yahshua was the only body that had the Holy Spirit walking around prior to Pentecost. And since Pentecost, everyone that receives the Holy Spirit is made to be a member of that one body 
and we are the body of Yahshua now in the earth plane. And just as every cell in your body essentially has the same spirit, the same law, the same DNA, but it leads to multiple different administrations and functionings. See, we all have that same spirit, and that makes us to be one body. Uh, verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Yahshua. See, and that's just Romans 1, 19 and 20 again, taking the physical things and understanding you're never going to see a spiritual body in this sense, but you can understand how all the cells in your body are have the same spirit or the same law, and thus all of us who have the Holy Spirit, that makes us to be members of that one body. Verse 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Now that's what how... That's how we get in, and I'm out of time. Uh, so back to the moderator. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Prestis. And our third speaker this afternoon will be the president of our Oceanside, California class, Dr. Carl Emler. Good evening, everyone. Um, let's go back to the scripture reading for a minute. Um, a lot has been said. Uh, there's been a good foundation uh, from which we could go uh, in several directions. And I'm going to try to go in two different directions with this foundation. Um, <clears throat> but let's just quickly uh, in Ephesians. Um, Four and one, we'll start there for a minute. Ephesians four and one. I therefore, the prisoner of Yahweh, beseech you that you work, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. So um, <coughs> under this covenant, under what we call the new covenant, under what we call the covenant of grace and not works, there's a job. There is a vocation, and it's not a vocation that you applied for. Uh, so from a natural standpoint, when you want a job, uh, the job uh, doesn't necessarily come to you, um, but you go to it. You seek it out. You look in the wanted pages, or you go to a, a, a job fair or whatever it is in order to um, find your career job. Um, but in this case, uh, this job is something you were called to. Um, and so uh, Paul is beseeching you to be worthy uh, or to walk worthy. And I think that to be worthy and to walk worthy um, uh, it's a significant distinction because when we get into this chapter more, we'll understand something about walking in the spirit of Yahshua, which uh, the children of Israel back under the law did not necessarily uh, have to consider um, walking in the spirit. They simply needed to accomplish uh, 
the acts of the covenant that was given the works of the law. So they had to offer up the sacrifices that they needed to offer up when they um, broke one of these laws, one of these commandments, one of these 600 ordinances. And uh, if you were back under the law, uh, you would have been uh, probably uh, wondering, uh, why do I have to do this? I mean, all you have to do is look at some of these ordinances and I can't mix dairy and meat. I can't even have bacon. Uh, why? Uh, what is the going on with all these laws? Uh, I can certainly understand why I shouldn't kill because I don't want to be killed. Um, but, you know, when it when it comes to honoring your father and mother, well, maybe my father and mother aren't worth my honoring. Maybe they're, you know, we see examples of children being abandoned, being caged in homes and starved uh, by parents and even killed by their own parents. Uh, in this age, uh, this world where we're living in, and now we see that, would you honor those parents? So the works that they did, they simply did because they were told to. And um, whether or not they understood it, whether or not they even believed it was worth doing, uh, didn't really matter to Yahweh. Um, Yahweh had given these laws, and if they broke these laws, then there were consequences for breaking these laws. And the consequence we find out uh, later on is that if you break one commandment, one law, that you are guilty of breaking the entire covenant because the covenant that was established by the law of Moses or law given to Moses, if you will, uh, was a singular covenant, not a piecemeal covenant where you could, uh, like a cafeteria religion they have nowadays, you pick and choose um, what it is that you believe in and the things you don't like to believe in, you choose to justify and don't believe in it. And yet you, uh, for all of Christianity anyways, consider that now uh, after Pentecost, I suppose, or after the Messiah came, that now you're able to keep the law of Moses because, and I don't know about any other Christian out there, but when I was in Christianity, I was taught the Ten Commandment law. And I was it was expected that I would keep that physical law. And, um, and if I didn't, uh, as a Lutheran, I have to say, I don't really know what would happen. <laughs> uh, I'm more familiar with Catholicism uh, because if you broke something, a law, then you'd go to the priest and you'd uh, do confession, and then the priest would say, "Do a few hail, do a few hail marys in our Father, and you know, don't do this again, and you'll be okay." And you're, I, I, in the mid, the the priest, forgive your sins. Uh, so that takes care of that, as far as Catholicism is concerned. And I really can't say what takes care of it, as far as Lutheranism is concerned, because I, I don't, we didn't have confession, so I don't know what 
how the fix was for breaking those those covenants under uh, at least that form of Protestantism. But these laws back here were simply followed without any um, need or reason to understand them. And when we come to this new covenant, it's a whole different ballgame. And I often uh, wonder, um, well, first of all, uh, it's not hard for me to remember uh, sitting in church, but never feeling that my soul was challenged unto death. Uh, in other words, I felt I was, God and I were tight. I had never had any indication that I had broken any kind of a law that would have resulted in the damnation of my soul. And, uh, and so there were no uh, consequences, severe consequences uh, for breaking this covenant. And when it comes to uh, Roman Catholicism, as long as you uh, submitted to the priest through confession, uh, apparently there were no consequences uh, as long as you followed up with the, the prayers and stuff and then did your time in purgatory, uh, you'd finally get to heaven. So uh, this covenant that Paul is talking about here in, in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, uh, is a little bit different than what I've just described. And uh, this is a vocation. When I was a Lutheran, I didn't consider I had a vocation. And I think even uh, those who were uh, in Catholicism and they were altar boys, uh, they could have considered that a work and a vocation for the time that they were altar boys. But altar boys are boys. <laughs> and when they get older, they're not altar boys anymore. You get the next generation. And so their vocation was over. And so they'd be in the same situation as anyone else. But this vocation that Paul is talking about, let's read on a little bit about this. So um, you have to walk worthy of the vocation wherein you are called, read. Two, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Now, there you go. Uh, right away, uh, you're going to quit that job. Uh, and, you know, it's not in my nature to be lowly and meek and long suffering and forbearing someone in love. Uh, you know, I don't love everybody. And these people irritate me and all the rest of the stuff. And so, you know, when it comes to that job, I'm not really well suited for it. I couldn't pass the entrance exam for that job. Uh, and yet, and still, uh, this is the discussion we're having now under the new covenant with respect to uh, the spirit of Yahshua uh, operating uh, behind the veil of your flesh, not the flesh but your flesh. All right, read on. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Now, this is endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to keep the unity of the flesh. I mean, we don't all get along with each other uh, from a physical standpoint. And some people we may even avoid just because there's such an irritation or whatever. But yet and still, um, the same people who you wouldn't want to spend a vacation on a small boat uh, with for a week or two, uh, if they were in distress from a spiritual standpoint, 
and you had that Holy Spirit of Yahshua in you, you would you would endeavor to give them comfort. Um, and after you gave them comfort, you still probably wouldn't go fishing with them because the point is not that you're getting together in the flesh, but in the spirit. And we'll get into that because I want to, I'm going to want to go back into, um, uh, so I'm going to have the other reader just get this and hang on to it, which is 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, because 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter and this Ephesians uh, are um, companion uh, chapters with respect to this vocation, or that is to say, being called as a minister of Yahshua, uh, or being called as Yahshua a minister, really is the way it, it, that it is in, in the spirit. So endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And uh, so let, let's see, we don't need to go through all the one faith and baptism. Let's go down to seven for a moment. Then to every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Yahshua. So now this is how you are given grace. And every one of us is given grace. And it's according to the gift of Yahshua. And it's not a gift from Yahshua. It is a gift of Yahshua. And this is a mystery, but as we've had read um, uh, that, and I think I forget whether it's in First Corinthians or in here. It talks about the body, uh, and if a foot were a, if everything was a foot, uh, is that over there in First Corinthians twelve? Yes. Could you read that, please? The body yeah. framed together. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Hang on. Let me see where I start here. Uh, twelve. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Yahshua. Now, this is Yahshua, not you. This is Yahshua, but you've been given grace according to the measure of the gift of Yahshua. So, it, again, in the spirit, this is you that we're reading about in 1 Corinthians, uh, where... Uh, the manifestation of the Romans 1, 19 and 20 is your body that you're sitting there on a chair or laying out on your couch or wherever, whatever you're doing, listening to this lecture, you look down and there's a hand uh, if you haven't had it amputated. Uh, but let's, let's make believe no one's uh, had anything amputated while I go through this. You have a hand or a foot or, you know, a left hand and a right hand and one's dominant and one's not and so you experience these things you have a heart and then you have kidneys and we are not generally not uh, uh aware of all the internal organs and the significance of them mostly the heart because we're aware of having a heart attack but you don't even know you have an issue with your liver until it's almost too late uh if someone has hepatitis they could have it for years and years and years and then all of a sudden it show up and but by the time it shows up, the liver is about ready to give in and you go on a liver transplant. So we're not very familiar with the organs, but we know that they're there. And so when we talk about these gifts of the spirit, 
over here in Ephesians, it's analogous to many members making up the one body. And having two feet is a gift uh, of the body because if you only had one foot, uh, that's uh, you're crippled. Uh, and so if, you, if your eyes uh, aren't working, you're blind. It's a gift to have eyes that work well. And so in the spirit, there are gifts that are given as well. Let's go back over and stay there in, in, in Corinthians. We're going to go back over to Ephesians. Uh, start at seven again. Seven. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Yahshua. So when you just get this measure, in other words, you're not the whole body. And period, you just aren't the whole body. And be what part of the body you are and be that effectively. Uh, and uh, go on here. Eight. Wherefore, he said, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now uh, that he I go down to 11. 11. And he gave some apostles. Now, and some these are the gifts that he, he's given. Now, remember, these gifts and the body parts go together. And you wouldn't want just a body that is only um, uh, a prophet or an apostle. Read on here. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. So now all of these gifts are like various parts of the body. Now, your body uh, is uh, a functioning unit to accomplish something uh, in the world. So, you know, your hands and stuff, all these things allow you to do a job. And remember, this is a vocation, but a vocation of the spirit. All right, read on here now, because I want to get into some expression of this job. Go ahead. 12, for the perfecting of the sons, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Yahshua. So now these are the, the, the works and the operations that these gifts uh, provide. Uh, and that is uh, the sons need perfecting. Uh, and just as you have uh, a project, uh, it needs to come together and this purpose is the project of Yahweh. And, uh, and so he is uh, completing this project through Yahshua, uh, the Holy Spirit, whom we knew under the old covenant as Yahweh Elohim, who they saw in the midpoint of the mountain as having hands, feet, and a body. And a vision of Yahweh uh, in his clearness. And so uh, this is the perfecting of the sons. And that single body is really the body that we're talking about over in 1 Corinthians, uh, many members making up the one body. And uh, Yahweh Elohim and the, in Sinai there uh, didn't lay his hands on them, I think it reads, um, in the in Exodus 24, uh, they saw the Elohim of Israel, as it were, he had hands, 
feet and a body. And so what they were looking at is what the end point of this purpose is, and that is the formation of the body of Yahshua, the Messiah. They were seeing that uh, in a vision, uh, and it's coming into uh, the reality of the purpose now after Pentecost, at this night uh, amongst those who have the Holy Spirit. So uh, uh, for the perfecting of the sons, for the work of the ministry, and so uh, I think that word there is W-O-R-K. That's work. Uh, and there is a work of the ministry, and we're talking about under the new covenant. And I we just saw a lecture where someone ranted and raved and walked, ran up and down the just works or grace, works or grace, works or grace, works or grace. And that's the only choice you had. And this person didn't describe what they meant by works, didn't describe what they meant by grace, um, but just works or grace, works or grace. You can't have one. Uh, you can't have them both. You got to have one or the other. And that's just incorrect. And these two chapters, Ephesians 4 and, uh, and, and, and uh, uh, Corinthians, uh, are just going to describe these very difficult works uh, of the new covenant, uh, which is the works of the spirit. Now, we have Yahshua, the Messiah, who fulfilled all the works of the physical law some I don't know, 2000 plus years ago. So when he was manifested in the flesh, he did works. Uh, he did every single work. He fulfilled that law completely. And so uh, he was with them and he did works. And in the 14th chapter of John, as he was comforting uh, the children, uh, his disciples, and knew he was going to go to the cross. And he even told them that, and they denied him that, Peter. No, you're not, that's not going to happen. Uh, and uh, so Messiah turns around and tells Peter, you will deny me three times because it is going to happen. Uh, and so these uh, works that he did with the disciples manifest with him, and he did all the works. Uh, even those works that he sent them out to do, he did through them. That is to say, they healed some people, etc., uh, as part of his body. That was part of his body. He was the head, and he was directing them, and they were doing works in the flesh. And he said, I am with you, but I shall be in you. And so under the new covenant, when they received the Holy Spirit, that same spirit who did works under the flesh, under the old covenant, going to perform these works uh, in the spirit, say, uh, uh, through, in and through you, if I can say it like that. And so the work of the ministry is the very thing that we do with every Zoom class, with every physical class, with every conversation you have one-on-one -on -one with somebody about uh, this gospel of Yahshua the Messiah. You are ministering to them and they have no idea that that's what you're doing when you give them answers to their to the questions that trouble them in life. It is administration to them. And the edifying of the body of Yahshua. And this edification, the word edification means to build. An edifice is a building or a monument, a great edifice. 
and so this, all of these buildings and these cathedrals and these works of architecture that you see are all manifestations of the ability to create uh, a, a thing worthy of uh, astonishing astonishment of you at looking at that piece in, in wonder. And so this is the edification and the edification as you build a church or an assembly or a great uh, concert hall or whatever edifice that you build, uh, it is a single uh, building uh, that serves a purpose. And so this edification, this body of Yash is a single building uh, uh, that has a purpose. Uh, so uh, read 12 and 13, because I'm looking at the clock here, just as Greg is looking at the clock. I've got about 12 minutes. Go ahead. 12, for the perfecting of the sons, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Yahshua, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of Yahweh unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Yahshua. Now, you have not heard that scripture quoted from the pulpit in your church, uh, <laughs> because this is a challenge until we all come, until, in other words, we're not there yet. We weren't there back then, and we're not there now, but we are closer now. We are closer now to the expression of that fullness of that body. We are closer now than they were uh, back when uh, this was spoken by Paul. Uh, Till we all come in the unity of the faith, all of us become unified uh, in, in the spirit, all come in the unity of the faith. And so there's the, the, the spirit of the faith or what you would call trust and belief, if you will, and of the knowledge. So there's also not involved of the son of Yahweh, which we're talking about uh, Yahweh Elohim, the archetype original pattern of the universe. And uh, Dr. Kinley in the uh, textbook calls this uh, uh, transmutation of Yahweh Elohim into Yahshua. Uh, and, and it's referring uh, to both as into Yahshua and the creation. In other words, we look at Yahshua back there fulfilling, but what we don't realize is that the creation is Yahshua. And that takes you back to the 19th division of Psalms, the heaven declare the glory of Yahweh and the firmament shows forth his handiwork. So in this creation, we have the heavens uh, where you have oligodendrites, you have astrocytes uh, in your brain. And so you have stars in heaven. And then you have uh, uh, terrestrial, and then you have a subterrestrial. That is to say, in order to have an earth plane that's, that, 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 that serves life, uh, everything has to be put together that way, including this molten uh, lava bed uh, with a, a core even below that, uh, a mantle of the earth. And so you have that area being the court roundabout, the holy place being the surface where we live in the most holy place being the heavens, which we're, atten uh, which we're, we're, we're going into now, shooting rockets up in the heavens and sending Teslas out into the universe. Uh, anyways, so that is a reflection of the body of Yahshua, the Messiah. Everything 
uh, is a reflection of that pattern, which is the body of Yahshua. And so Yahshua is both that body that he manifested in and the universe itself. That's in the textbook. But we, uh, let me just go on here for a minute. Until we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of Yahweh, that is to say, Yahshua, unto a perfect man, that means complete, uh, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness, again, complete, of Yahshua. And that we are no longer tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine and the cunning and craftiness, but uh, that lie and wait to deceive. But we speak the truth in love, uh, uh, that, uh, that, but speaking the truth in love, again, it's one thing to speak the truth to, as a bludgeon, but it's another to speak the truth and the sincere desire that someone will come of age in that truth. To speaking the truth in love, we grow up into him. Now, this is a whole thing. There's no time to deal with that. But if we grow up into him, not with him and around him. And one of the problems we have sometimes is that in the effort to show forth things on these charts and stuff uh, lead people to some uh, erroneous concepts. So in the elementary chart with the circles on it, at the very end, you have Yashua and you have a whole bunch of little angels. There you go. Please, Greg, thank you. Um, uh, you have Yahshua and you have all these little angels all the way around him. And so there's this idea that there's Yah and then there's these little birth sons, et cetera. And it's just not the way the Holy Spirit is operating under this age and dispensation. We are in that body, not hanging around him, if you will. Uh, and that by, by having the Holy Spirit, by having that part of the body, we are actually in him and it's not yet made manifest, but that's the way that it is. Uh, so, uh, and it does may, by speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him all things, which is the head, or who is the head? Yahshua is the head, which is the head, even Yahshua, from whom the whole body fitly framed together and compacted, in other words, tight, uh, you know, in a form, in a shape and in a form, uh, by which every joint supply, every joint supplies according to effectual working in the measure uh, of every part. All right, so this is just how a body works. So let's go down to, um, uh, let's see, uh, 24 in this chapter and 24. get ready for Colossians or Corinthians, I mean. Go down 24, please. And that you put on the new man, which after Yahweh is created in righteousness and true holiness. So now this is righteousness and holiness. No, it's righteousness and true holiness. Why is that? Because holiness and righteousness or goodness go together. And there was a goodness under the law. And there's a goodness collectively in the earth plane. But this is the true holiness that those are types and shadows around. And in the right, you, you are... Uh, which after Yah Yahweh is created in righteousness, not righteousness of the law, but in uh, righteousness, which is Yahshua the Messiah. He's the law of the spirit of life. Uh, and that is the righteousness under this age. It was a law of works of carnal ordinances under the last age. And so you always have to keep in check whether you're talking about carnal ordinances or spiritual ordinances. And But they're works nonetheless. Uh, read on, please. 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. 
be ye angry and sit, sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. All right, so yeah. now uh, we're going we're gonna to have to drop down because I'm still tight here. Verse 30. 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of Yahweh. Now, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of Yahweh. I see the five-minute sign. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of Yahweh. I, yeah, thank you. Uh, of, um, of Yahweh. Read on. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of Yahweh, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. So you are sealed in this spirit until the day of redemption. And this day of redemption is referring to uh, taking off this physical body and the trials and tribulations of it and the ability to be challenged by the mystery of iniquity and all the other things that cause us such great frustration that we can hardly stand ourselves sometimes. Uh, uh, read on. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. With so this is something that has to be put away from you. All bitterness, all wrath, all anger, all clamor, all evil speaking uh, with malice. All that stuff's got to be taken care of. Read on. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Yahweh for Yahshua's sake hath forgiven you. So now look at Here's the, the, the linchpin of this whole thing. Be you kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, another, even as Yahweh for Yahshua's sake has forgiven you. And Yahshua's name means Yahweh is salvation. And that's why it does, Gail, read properly, even as Yahweh for Yahshua's sake, because it's Yahweh who's doing the forgiving through Yahshua. So even as Yahweh, for Yahshua's sake, has forgiven you. Now, here it is, uh, back to that parable uh, of the, uh, uh, the master that forgave his servant, and then the servant turned around and didn't forgive his servant, pitlings compared to what the master had forgiven him of. Uh, and he was uh, entreated by the master then uh, in an evil manner and thrown into the everlasting darkness or the dungeon, if you will. And so if we actually do see the extent to which Yahshua has forgiven us, then uh, we will be moved towards tenderheartedness, forgiving one another, uh, putting away bitterness and wrath and anger and glamour because he had bitter, he could have had bitterness for us and wrath against us, anger against us. He could have been bad speaking about us, clamor and evil speaking about us uh, and have malice towards us. None of that did he have. Uh, he had quite just the opposite. We got to go over to, I got just two minutes, Corinthians. Uh, let me get over there with you. Um, go, uh, so what I want in Corinthians, um, uh, huh? Uh, I think I'm going to have to, so it talks about the bodies one, we've already done that. and. Uh, mentioned this idea of a foot and all these gifts, etc. But what I want to get, uh, oh, talks about the comely parts and all these things are so important. But let me just get down here. There should be no schism. I'm reading a 25. I'm going to read through this because I'm just going to have to kill this last two minutes. 
that there should be no schism in the body. No, our body is not warring against itself. I and mean, when it does, and Diane can attest to this, it's, it's hell when you have an autoimmune disease and she shares several autoimmune diseases that uh, wreck the body, uh, but that many members should have the same care for one another. Whether one member suffer, all the members suffer. And you know that, you know, if you get a backache, you're down and out, if that's all there is to it. Uh, or if one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. So if you got good hands, if you can do things, you can create things, you're an artist, your whole body is uh, uh, identified with that piece of work that you do through your hands. Now, you are the body of Yahshua and many members in particular. And Yahweh has set some uh, in the assembly, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, and after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, uh, diversities of tongues. These are all manifestations of the ministry of the spirit whereby, and so these are the parts of which you play in one aspect or another of ministering to the brethren. But when you minister to the brethren, as we see over there, there's no malice, there's no ang anger. It's all done in love. So these are like the anatomy of the body, these quote attributes that are analogous to gifts of the spirit. And then the physiology or the heart of the thing is the reflection uh, in, the, uh, in you to be able to have this long suffering and not have malice and all those things that we read over in uh, Ephesians. And so there are hard things, uh, hard, not hard to do, but hard and fast like a rock. Uh, physical things, uh, not physical, but I'm trying to get the expression of hard, hard things, hard copy, if you will. And then there are spiritual things or um, quote, as one might say, emotional things. And these, that's like the anatomy and physiology of your body. There are the pieces that work and then there's the things that work through those pieces and the nerves move everything and all the rest of the stuff. So this body that we're talking about has both a spiritual anatomy and a physiology. And we uh, uh, strive towards uh, manifesting our part in both of those aspects. So thank you for the time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Emler. We'd like to thank everybody who joined us today in our Zoom class. And we'd also like to thank those who have viewed us on YouTube. We hold our Zoom class every Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. At this time, I'd like to ask the class to stay muted until the live stream has ended. We'll now be dismissed by the doxology, which is taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. Let us all say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.